Good morning, Vikings fans. This is Morning Joe's, brought to you by Ticket Club. If you're looking for tickets to the Vikings, Twins, Wild Wolves, games, concerts, even plays, uh, and you're sick of paying 20% per ticket for a quote-unquote convenience fee, check out Ticket Club. Actually, check out our site. Click on the banner for Ticket Club and enter the discount code SKOLPTSD, all one word. I'm Joe Johnson, owner of uh, PurplePTSD.com, VikingsTerritory.com, PurpleTerritoryRadio.com, and the brand spanking new Vikesgeist social media platform, which is... Oh my god, I can't keep up. It's too much. I, I just started, like, installing all this really cool fantasy football uh, software, like, so people can check their scores and see all the breaking news, and I'm like, man... I've given ESPN a run for their money. Um, but, yeah, Vikesgeist is like Zeitgeist but with the, for the Vikings, which is super nerdy. But uh, if you go to Purple PTSD, you'll see a bunch of different new features, like a message board, chat room, uh, kind of like a, a, a Twitter for the Vikings uh, only. It's it's really cool. Um, so check that out, too. But I am here with, uh, as always, Mr. Joe Oberly. That's me. How you Did doing, you man? Say- Good. Did you say wolves earlier? You did say wolves. Yeah. Wolves. As a former as a former member of the Timberwolves staff, we always hated when people called them wolves. They're wolves. I know. It's, oh, are you like? Are you? I wasn't sure if you meant like Timberwolves or if I said wolves as in like W U V. Yes, that's what it sounded like. Um. I'm just giving you grief because, you know. Full disclosure. Well, I was just telling my girlfriend like 20 minutes ago a story she hadn't heard yet because I'm trying to hide as much of my past as is possible uh, through state law. But when I was like four years old, I fell off of my bunk bed that I had with my sister, and I bit my tongue in half. Oh, man. And my mom came into the room, and I just remember she was like, calm down. It's fine. Open your mouth. And their face just turned white as a ghost. And she said, keep your mouth closed and never open it again. So I ended up at the hospital getting like 35 stitches on and inside my tongue, which at four years old is not very fun. You should so, not have a you should not have a, a a platform this big if you're trying to hide things from your girlfriend. So. I know. Well, luckily my name I'm Joe Johnson, so <laughs> yeah, it's easier to hide. There's many of us running around. There you I, go. I thought you were gonna say you shouldn't have a platform this big with a speech impediment, which is also <laughs> true. Uh What'd you think of the Any, game? Yeah, the Vikings. Uh, let's see, they played. I can't even remember. They played Seattle. Um, you know, I was uh, lukewarm on it. I don't know if you read my game wrap up after, yeah. but um, there are some good things and bad things, like in every preseason game. I thought, you know, uh, the the offense had a couple series, and they they only put up three points, um, and they looked okay. You know, they didn't look terrible. Um, trying to recall here the defense i was a little disappointed in because that's you know they did the bend don't break again and i know they're going against uh russell wilson but they they gave up some big plays that i didn't like to see and and i, I kind of agreed with zimmer that i think they're still not where we're there where he wants them to be um you know I, you saw some great uh pass and catch by uh cousins the guys like Thielen. yeah and Thielen is just amazing and uh then, then he misses the touch 
pass on the screenplay to McAllister, which would have been a big play. You know, uh, that was a little disappointing. I'm sorry, did I, who did I say? Uh, McAllister. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Alexander Madison, and, and I think it would have gone quite a ways. And, that would have been you huge. Know, that's going to be a big part of their offense this year, so you want him to get that honed in real quick. Well, too, okay, so here's my feeling. Like, sometimes it's easy to give national writers grief when they touch on the Vikings because it's impossible for them to kind of have their finger on the pulse of 32 teams uh, on a level that would require some sort of, like, Rain Man uh, abilities. But I get, I'm get i getting kind of the, a weird feeling of just on a local level of reading things like, People talking about how great the offensive line looks and in the stat that they haven't given up a sack in two games in the two preseason games and I look back at, I mean that screen was uh, I'm assuming was like an all-out blitz so that I can I can look at that and say Brian O'Neill wasn't in but there was a lot of pressure coming from the right side which is why I think Cousins kind of uh, floated that ball or didn't get it in there very well but there were <clears throat> the offensive line does not look as good as as people are. Just on no, that statistic alone, like Cousin was was running for his life a few times. Some of that was a designed rollout, but there were plays. There was one where he was like 20 yards deep, and he had to throw it away on the first yeah. or second drive. That that was a little bit concerning. I remember um, what's his face uh, Ford, the the the, the uh, defensive tackle for the uh, Seahawks. At one point, someone in the live chat mentioned that he had been in the backfield on every play of the drive, and uh, he was really owning the interior up even when they got uh, uh, you know up to the nearly one yard line. Then they were penalized or whatever. Um, so it felt like yeah, there there weren't sacks, but that's not the full story. You know, I think there was a lot no. of, a lot more pressure than people yeah. are giving. I, I don't think the offensive line had a great great day. Uh, I, I know PFF graded him out okay with pass protection, but not very good at all with uh, run blocking. And and at Madison had he struggled to get free, you know, with the first going against first defense. It wasn't until the second, you know, teamers got in there that he started, you know, finding some some daylight somewhere and get you know getting some making some plays and, and you know then Mike Boone later. But so I was you know definitely disappointed in the. Not disappointed. I, I still think they're trying to feel each other out. As you mentioned, Brian O'Neill's not in there. Um, I know that Pat Alfline had a, a subpar game, and he's yeah. playing in position. And you got a rookie rookie center who's still trying to figure out what he's he's got to be doing uh, for his entire job in this league. Uh, he he is he's a beast, and he, he makes some some gnarly plays. You know, I think he's going to be tough in there, but it's still going to take him a while to to uh, get everything going. And they had a, they did have a fumble. Bad. Yeah, I'm a, I was worried a little bit too. I, I joked about this in the live chat about that fumble, which was on the exchange. Um, there was a point in a, actually multiple points in the preseason or the in training camp and OTAs where Cousins has mentioned that Bradbury <coughs> sweats a lot and that he's having he's he's giving them crap for it. I don't think he means it a hundred percent that he's actually concerned about it, but he said that. You know, Bradbury has has said that he doesn't sweat during games, but that Cousins is worried about getting a dry ball and how that's going to affect the exchange. And so that was the first thing that popped in my head during when that fumble happened. Was like, oh god! Well, what the heck does he do with his uh, uh, the ball before he snaps it? Rub it against his thighs? I mean, what 
What are you talking about? <laughs> it's just like a waterfall of disgusting. Holy buckets! That that is some that is some uh, some major swamp butt. If that's the case, yeah. There there has to be a spray. <clears throat> we could market that. That would go over well. Maybe you um, need some pans. <laughs> Poise pads. Um, that would be the most Vikings thing ever if they lost the Super Bowl on a botched snap because of ass sweat. <laughs> that would just be the pinnacle of this entire experiment. That is. Uh, you know, how many times have we said that 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 would be the most Vikings thing ever? I mean, that, that yeah. that's cliche now because there's so many things that have already been the most Vikings things ever. You know, just another season, another most Vikings thing that ever happened. So there they get is. worse every time. I know it's amazing. Um, but you mentioned the Elfline thing, and I've been—I was a huge proponent of him moving to guard. He—he he said that he was more comfortable there. Um, I'm an Elfline fan. I think he had a down year last year because he was coming back um, from injury, and also playing next to the two worst guards in the NFL. But uh, I'm a little worried about about that transition. And, and the play that sticks out to me was a positive for uh, Madison in that. And Bradbury, um, the, he was. It, it was right before they went for it on fourth down with C.J. Ham, and they gave it to to Madison up the left side, and Elfline just got completely just like ankle breaking, like right around him. And Madison was fighting for the first down, and then Bradbury kind of turned back around and tried to help him push forward. Um, but there was a lot of stuff like that. There, I you know he just didn't have a good game. Um, I'm not so worried about him yet. He'll get there, Joe. He, it's early. It's the second preseason game. It's actually three series. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. You know, and that, and that's what I keep saying about the offense and everything, or the first team and everything else. They've played three series, so uh, you know, a you can't draw a whole lot of conclusions from these games yet. You can maybe draw a little bit more this this weekend when they play, you know, a whole half and. And maybe come out in the second half, but it's just it's just not enough. There's you know that there's not enough to look at, and um, they aren't you know if if it's in the context of a whole game that play would be bad, but that does you know but when it's in the context of two series, it it, it magnified as oh my god we should worry about this. Well, no, I don't think we should yet. So yeah, and there's uh, some good news coming out this week or uh, so far this week. Um, that Sean Borman, the managing editor of Vikings Territory, reported on. Uh, Linville Joseph is cleared for. Um, I forget what the what the terminology was. I have it written down, but he he's on he his way back. Yesterday. He practiced yeah. yesterday. Yeah. And Brian, yeah, that's that's yeah. He's cleared for contact. That's what it is. Brian O'Neill was spotted rehabbing on the sideline. He had a helmet on, but no pads. Um, but he looks like he'll be ready for the opener from all uh, reports that I've seen. Um, so that's good. You know, I, I do like, you know, there's been some people talking about how, uh, with, with Joseph out and Stefan out, it's kind of highlighted a weakness, which is interior defensive line depth. Um, but you know, that gives guys like, uh, Jalen Holmes, uh, Jaleel Johnson, Hercules Madafa, uh, more time. I think, uh, Jaleel Johnson especially, you know, I, I had really high hopes for him. This is where I would play the Big Ten horn we were talking about last week. Um, yes. Coming out of Iowa. I know that there's been some debate internally uh, from some of our writers about whether 
or not he is a, a true three tech. You could almost argue the same thing for for Mata Afa, who's undersized. Uh, but from everything I've heard, has had a, a really astounding uh, off season. You know, he was. Uh, I, I think I said this two weeks ago when uh, in in college he was one of two guys his senior year, maybe it was his junior year, that. Um, graded on like a PFF level above an 85 in terms of his pass uh, rush and his uh, uh, defense against uh, defense against the run or the rush so he's good he's just undersized and and I think that's kind of the knock against Jaleel Johnson as well Um, so it's good to see those guys it's good to see them I guess with uh, guys like Daniel Hunter out there or uh, yep you mentioned we were kind of, you mentioned Louisville Joseph, and I, I had kind of gone back and forth with Ian on the chat uh, during the game that I, I was concerned about the depth on uh, this, uh, the defensive line. And he didn't, he didn't necessarily agree with me. And, you know, it's because it's always been a strength. But, you know, with Linval Joseph out and these guys out, it's, it's, it is a little bit different. It is a little bit affected. It was really good to see Joseph back. He did say that, you know, he, he played hurt last season. And, uh, um, and when he said last year, uh, Daniil Hunter in week five hit him, hit his leg, and he said he wasn't the same the rest of the year. And so he says he's feeling stronger than he had all last year. And so that's a great sign if that's the case and he can stay healthy this year because, uh, boy, he's the, he's the centerpiece of that yeah. defensive line. And, um, you know, everything revolves around him. He, he makes those two ends even better. And uh, uh, so I get him back, and I'll feel a little bit more comfortable about about the – the depth on the defensive line, and maybe Ian was had a ulterior motive since he kept floating the idea of the Vikings picking up every available wide receiver known to man <laughs> um, during the chat, which was kind of funny. Uh, and I, you guys did actually talk about that uh, a little bit in the chat, in yeah. that you you weren't really concerned with wide receiver depth, and I think his argument was that if you know Diggs and Thielen get hurt, they're screwed, but. You could say that about yeah. any team, really. If your superstars Absolutely. get hurt, they're screwed. Um, I think they're a lot better in that regard than they've been the last couple seasons. I like, you know, we haven't seen a whole lot from Chad Beebe. I think he had one catch for seven yards. And um, then there was the interception play. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious to hear what you think about that because, you know, that that uh, that, that pick six by I can't I can't remember who the guy was on Seattle Seahawks, but oh yeah, it looked it looked like either. BB didn't finish the route. There was some miscommunication, or or uh, uh, Sean Mannion, the quarterback, panicked with the, the rush coming around him and, and threw it out too quickly, and it was behind him. And this guy just had an easy, long pick six. You know, when the Vikings were moving down into the red zone. So I initially I agreed with Ian, and I thought uh, that it was on Mannion that that he he was feeling the rush and he he threw a little bit too soon and. And BB, who's supposed to be this uh, in, incredible route runner, um, you know, precision route runner, a la Adam Thielen, I, I gave him the benefit of the doubt and thought, yeah, you know, I did too. But I've heard uh, talk come out since then that you know maybe it was on some of the places you know covering this team that uh, it, they couldn't say for sure, but they thought it was on BB running, yeah. running the wrong route, or there was a miscommunication. He cut off his route before he should have and didn't follow it all the way out. So, uh, so I, I, don't I know. think that had he, okay, assuming he ran the wrong route, had he run the right route, I think it was still too early for him. 
I mean, he if the route was supposed to be where the ball ended up, then he would have never had gotten there in the first place. I don't think. Um, uh, the eye test, like you, I, I thought that was on Mannion. Uh, you know, the entire time, that was a devastating blow to his his chances of being the, the backup quarterback, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, but yeah, there's people who analyze plays that I respect. Um, that, that they can do that better than I can or in a way that I can't or I don't have access to. And most of those people basically uh, said that it was BB's fault, which is extremely surprising considering what you just said about all this talk about his route running and so on and so forth. I, but I do think the ball, uh, you know, there, there was two levels of pressure <clears> or <throat> two guys right behind Manny and um, he's not the most mobile guy. He, he's had to run a little bit and I think he threw it too soon anyway. Um, but I think BB stops short. Yeah. Which, again, is is surprising and a, I don't want to say disconcerting. I mean, I think we we've talked a lot about the wide receiver position and um, the, the fact that BB's basically the third guy and and who's going to be the fourth and fifth. Um, so I'm not going to like just chalk it up to that. But considering we haven't seen a whole lot from BB, uh, that was not like you said, especially with the limited sample size. Stuff like that does stick out, right? He, he's he's back there uh, 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 receiving punts anyway, so we've seen seen him doing that. I think he's got that job sewed up, I believe. Well, but, it's uh, better than BC Johnson having it. It'd be dead by by, by the bye week. <laughs> that lack of a fair catch. I don't know how he hold, held onto that ball, but that was vicious. And speaking of vicious stuff, there's two plays in the last two weeks that I want your take on too. Um, obviously, the Holton Hill thing. A lot of people were saying in the live chat, is he trying to get cut? Now, I don't think – I mean, the thing is, is that those things happen in a split second, and I think it was more – and Zimmer touched on this in the post game. He said it was an illegal hit. Um, it was a helmet-to-helmet. But also, he was like, this isn't the best example, but if these guys are going to run these RPOs, then they should be treated as runners, and we, we have to be able to hit them, is what he said. Not even that we need to hit them. It was that we have to be able to, um, which I agree with a little bit. But <clears throat> I think you know some people were saying it was uh, Lynch's kind of his fault for going into the slide to you know, – I don't think Holton Hill said, I'm just going to rip this guy's head off because I'm upset no. about my, my suspension. I think he just – went for the tackle and it just lined up that way and that's kind of inevitable in in regards to how football you know you can't make this 100 percent safe um no my take on that is uh uh i, I think that was you know uh son said facetiously in the chat you know is he trying to get cut here because I, I don't think uh holton hill wants to go anywhere he's got a team that is sticking with him despite you know two suspensions that are causing him to miss the first eight games of the year the fact that he isn't gone already it's quite amazing in some regards, so they must they must see a lot of them. They must want him around. So if he wants to get cut from here, then uh, he's not a deep thinker, I guess. He's not very smart. So uh, I don't think that's the case, though. Um, yeah, I don't you know, think it was I, intentional. I, no, I, I he he was trying to to light the guy up because the guy was not down. You know, I mean, try, or I shouldn't say light him up, but hit him hard. And that's what you're supposed to do. You got to be able to get the ball carrier down, and. They, uh, Lynch went down at the last second and lowered his head into the zone. Uh, Hill's already committed, but you know, I, I, I don't know. 
Um, it's one of those bang. I mean, it, it's it's the hardest thing to legislate in this game with these rules, you know, because sometimes you have to start ta- tackling a guy where you think you got to get him, and if the guy makes a, a move that puts his, his his head in the danger zone, well, that's that's part of it. I'm not going to blame. I'm saying that's not his fault. You got to. I guess you got to tackle less aggressively, and I'm, I'm sure all these players are coached to do that, and they're doing it to some certain extent. But it is not a perfect science. Uh, you yeah. can just. Uh, to shut that down, so I'm not. I'm, I don't think it was intentional. Did he want to hit him? Good. Yes, he's a quarterback. Does he want to hit somebody? Because yes, he's going to be out for eight games. But uh, you know, buddy, you don't want to. You don't want to get yourself ejected either. So you, you know, he, he may have to adjust his his, his yeah. way of doing things. Zimmer a little bit. mentioned he led with his head, and uh, you know, I, I know they teach them to to lead more with their shoulders. Um, but it, it's just like you said, you can't 100 percent legislate these, these things. You can't. No one has a, that level of body control <clears throat> either, and and when it comes to a split second decision and whether you're gonna, you know, take it easy on a guy who might end up scoring a touchdown, a lot of the guys are gonna default to the latter. Then you have the the Treadwell um, fine, which was relatively hefty. It was almost thirty thousand dollars for the uh, the block that he had against the Saints, and overwhelmingly the response that I saw on Twitter anyway was that football as we know it is basically dead and blah 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 now i think their intentions are good you know they don't want these guys you know i wouldn't even really feel good about covering a sport where there's this this laissez-faire attitude towards brain trauma which has been the case up until they've really been forced to do something about it um but i i don't think watching that replay i can see maybe why the refs flagged it the way they did but with the league having, you know, a week and a half to look at it, I was surprised that he was fine in the first place and also that it was so much. Yeah. Um, just because he, all the criteria for it being what it, they said it was, I don't think was really met. You know, he didn't lead with his head. He hit the guy in the torso. Um, the guy, he didn't hit him in the back. He hit him uh, up front, like, on the as he was turning. Who's, um, who's this now? The treadwell block on the um, oh yeah yeah the yeah. punt return, <clears throat> um, or the well, maybe it was a kick return, but you know they called it. I don't know if it was a illegal block in the back, but it wasn't really a block in the back. The guy was just turning, so I could see in a split second as a ref saying, "Okay, fifteen yard flag." Um, but for the league to look at it in slow motion and see what they saw, I don't I don't agree with it. Personally, yeah. I get why they're doing it, um, and I know people aren't happy. With I think I joked, and I didn't mean this. Uh, I didn't really mean it, but I said like the slow, uh, inevitable, mar- inevitable march towards uh, flag football. It has begun, um, and, I, and I don't mean that. And I know they want to keep these guys healthy, especially in the preseason. But I don't think that was a bad hit. Yeah, I, I you know it's I I have. It, that one's kind of slipped my mind. I did, it's not as fresh in my mind as as the Holton Hill hit, so I, I can't come on it, comment on it. Yeah, it's on the way, message but. board. Uh, Sean responded to the guy that released the the information about it. Uh, That's fine. A national my, guy, and you'll see the video if people want to go and see the video in slow motion. It's in the message board. <laughs> you know, it, whatever. I I I I know. Oh, I guess maybe this is just the the boring. Uh, 
uh, defend the NFL take. I mean, yeah, they want it. They want to clean the stuff up. Yeah, they got to try some things out in preseason, make some calls, and see where they're at and see where they land. Yeah, they uh, the the refs are in preseason mode too. So all those things. But so I, I you know, it's it's too bad. It might have been the wrong call. Am I by a plane? Are you yes. leaving? Okay. Yeah, I've uh, I've decided to uh, become a, a Kansas City Chiefs fan. So anyway, I I don't know. It, it's it's hard to say. It's 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 not a, a major thing. It's uh, it's tough for for Treadwell because uh, he may be out of a job soon, but uh, um, he needs that money. I don't know. I, that's I felt the same way too. Um, and we'll we'll touch on Treadwell's day. I like the analogy that um, Luke Braun, who we used to do a show with had which i'll share in a second but since we're talking about rules in the nfl one of the new rule changes that a lot of people mentioned during the game was the pat the uh, ability to challenge on pass interference calls and there was the um the 34 yard catch to uh from cousins to thielen and he it was clearly a catch and they they challenged it Pete Carroll challenged it. Basically, I think they're testing the waters on this new rule, but he would challenge sure, the absolutely. catch, but once you do that, they can look at whether or not Thielen pushed off. Um, and so there were a lot of people saying that this is not what the, the the rule was passed for, and when they passed it, they said coaches wouldn't arbitrarily throw uh, challenge flags for whether or not a guy had possession in the hopes that they could get a pass interference call. Now, I don't really understand why they couldn't just challenge for the pass interference as opposed to doing it that way, Um, unless it's a secondary thing that needs to be looked at and they can't just challenge the pass interference, which is how I understood it. Mm. Um, But a lot of people have been complaining about that. I've always been the type of person to think that (laughs) this is why I was against moving the extra point back five yards, and I know we debated this with... uh, coincidentally Luke and you and Luke were on the side of the the rule change because you thought it would become so automatic that it wasn't interesting and my thought is always if there's an extra way for the Vikings to screw up uh they're gonna find a way to do that uh in a very important situation purple PTSD <laughs> totally you know the site the, the URL every year a little bit I worry that we might have to change it and every year it just gets stronger um but I, I'm for that rule change i think especially when you have two receivers on the level that the vikings do um that it's something that clearly can can change a lot of things you know a game can't end on a defensive penalty for example um so on and so forth and they they did call a pass interference on the seahawks i think on the, the was it the following play that they just went right back to 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 thielen i don't know but i'm for it is my point um, you're for them being able to yeah, look dude. at look at look at an out of potential out of bounds play a potential catch and then actually see if there's pass interference on it. Yeah, yeah, I do worry though that it slows the game down to the point of Major League Baseball. So is that the actual rule that they can do that? I mean, they're, they're going to look at everything once they they open it up, and if they see, happen to see something else, they're going to call it. I guess. I mean, that's the interpretation that they made it seem on, on TV. I, I didn't understand that that's how it worked, but that's how everyone was reacting to it. And you would think that, you know, a lot of the time you hear, like, well, they that that's not what the challenge is about. They can't call that. And I think that's what it 
was part of, you know, a lot yeah, of the time. Yeah, it's interesting saying, because they've always demanded that they, they claim what they're challenging. Yes. And so I, I, I don't know if that, uh, it's news to me if that's changed. If that's the case, that's, you know, fortuitous. But then they're all going to throw their flags and kind of shoot their wad in the right away because there's all kinds of things to challenge on every yeah. pass play, it seems like. so. Well, the guy uh, that they kept bringing into the booth, the, the – uh, the guy that explained the rules, he um, had said there had been 31 situations in the preseason to that point, set Sunday mm-hmm. night. <clears throat> so two games, uh, with the exception of Monday night. Uh, 31 times the coaches had thrown it, and it only uh, it was overturned six times where they found pass interference, uh, which meant that the refs were adhering to it pretty strictly. Um, but it also showed that these coaches are really trying, I think, fill out the waters on, on how that's going to be implemented. Oh, yeah, they're throwing long passes just with that in mind, it seems like. I mean, the Vikings are going downfield a heck of a lot more than they usually do, and which was fun to see. And and, yeah. and it, worked, it worked to their favor. I mean, the pass interference call on against uh, uh, the, the pass to Adam Thielen was huge for set up the Vikings' first score anyway. So Yeah, and I'm writing a... Uh, I posted uh, on Vikings territory today. The, I'm doing like a fantasy breakdown by position, top ten receivers. I did the my top five because uh, I I'm very wordy. If people haven't picked up on that by now, and I after especially seeing the game on Sunday night, I have feeling a lot higher than most. Uh, I bought a bunch of those magazines, and a lot of them have them at like 11, 12, 13, and digs directly after that. But seeing um, the the continued chemistry between him and Cousins, I feel like he's just gonna have a monster. I mean, they're in midseason form. Um, they seem to just be running that same play. They got 34 yards both times in the pass interference call, which is almost the exact same play call. Um, well, that's what they're gonna do in the preseason, Joe. If something works, they'll go back to it, so you don't have to show too much here. Yeah. You know, so but it's yeah. it, we talked about this at nausea, but he's just he catches everything you throw his way, so it's just the idea that Diggs is this down the field threat, which he totally is, and, and that the defense is schemed to take him out of it. I can understand that because he's faster and and so on and so forth. But God, Thielen's just a beast. Turn on your tape recorders or your 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 reasonable facsimile for a DVR on the. Re- podcast for this next bit i think adam thielen's pretty good at football yeah Ooh, at football. that's yeah, a so. that's a spicy take it i is, know it i is. was gonna say that's literally is i just wrote thielen is a beast in the notes <laughs> that's some really professional analysis yeah, um though i mean the guy the guy works at getting better every year and that's what you know that's what that's how you become at this level i mean yeah we're gonna hear the stories for the rest of his life about, you know, like we say about John Randall, undrafted, you know, blah, yeah. blah, 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 Tom blah, Brady. blah, blah, blah. He comes to this level, and it's, it's warranted, but it, it happens because of the work he puts in. He, he did that, you know, he was a hard worker. Zimmer was saying that when he was first brought in as a, you know, as a walk-on. 
how hard he worked, so he kept him around, you know. And if you got somebody that's that that's works that hard at their craft and and studies it and tries to get better, they're going to. I mean, that's that's how. This is not that I'm comparing him to Michael Jordan, but that's what people like Jordan and yeah. Larry Bird and all got better. They they had God gifts, God given gifts, but they also worked their butt off. Randy Moss too. Uh, he, that's he a, he's another one. You're a right. reputation for that, and I think he was lucky to end up with Chris Carter because I think Carter really put a lot of that into him. Um, but you, uh, yeah, a lot of guys say because uh, they know it sounds good each off season. Like I'm always trying to get better, but that doesn't necessarily get to the level of almost being pathological like it is with a guy like Jordan, for example. His competitive streak is legendary. Um, and Thielen, when you hear about what he's trying to improve on, it seems genuine, and you can actually see him doing it if you have access to it. Do, Joe, do you think we ha- uh, Thielen is going to benefit again this year uh, from uh, Diggs getting more double coverage? I mean, I think that's happened in the past, and maybe that's why some of these national outlets have uh, – uh, Digs ranked yeah. behind him. You yeah, know? um, that's what I'm. I've, I'm totally seeing people putting them like one A and one A B, but are like thirteen, fourteen. Um, you would think not. I mean, I, during the record-breaking streak at the start of the season last year, I kept wondering when the defense, the, the defensive coordinators were, were going to stop doing that, and I don't necessarily think they did. Um, as the season progressed, I just think the line got to the point where they just couldn't do a lot of that stuff anymore. Um, but I was originally concerned from a fantasy uh, angle uh, that because Thielen is more nationally famous at this point, um, for a good reason, I mean, just like his reputation in the league has grown too, that, that he might get more of the line shares of the, of the coverage. Um, but I, I just think that beyond that, like we saw uh, week one, that pass where he that he was double covered on that play against the Saints. Mm-hmm. It's just that Cousins threw it in, into a good window, but it was not a perfect throw either. Uh, Thielen kind of had to do like he did to start the season last year, like to turn around while you're running full speed one way and, and fall kind of backwards to get it. Um, I think that his, just his catch radius makes him, double covered or not, really hard to defend against. Um and there were times last year where they were both double covered, and I know that's why they want uh, Cousins to uh, scramble more because he can pick up first downs with his legs, so on and so forth. Um, but I, yeah, I just don't—I don't know if it'll matter much. I don't know. It sure it concerns me because uh, your your Thielen love is 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 almost like you think he played for a Big Ten team. So you I know. Self- well, I mean, Minnesota State—it's—I'll give it some at least Midwest love. Um, but the, you know, what was interesting too about the wide receivers was that, um, Irv Smith Jr. was lining up and running a lot of wide receiver routes. And coincidentally, his father followed one of our Twitter accounts. Uh, yeah, it was really cool. And I messaged him and I, I said, he should follow these other ones if he wants to get like you know, local coverage and listen because it was one of the podcast arms that he uh, subscribed to, and he said, "Yeah, well, I I just did." And then I we chatted a little bit, exchanging pleasantries, and then I asked him a question about that, <clears throat> and, and I was like, "I'm not sure if you can really say anything, but you know, with the wide, with him lining up as a wide receiver, is that something that you foresee?" Um, but that was this morning, so I was hoping to hear before the show, which is kind of anticlimactic. But uh, I thought that was interesting how they have been lining him up, and 
that might explain some of the quote-unquote two tight end sets, which could end up being more like uh, bunches. Well, that's uh, what I had mentioned. A couple, sorry to interrupt, but a couple of weeks ago I mentioned when I asked Mark Craig from the Star Tribune about who the wide receiver three is going to be, and he says Irv Smith Jr. You know, so yeah. you know that it's it's uh, you know they're going to be very creative. I think in the way they use him, you know, uh, again he's got to he's got to get it all figured out because he's going to be doing a lot of different things. But boy, that's it's exciting to see as you're saying the the two uh, tight end sets and him. Lining up as wide receiver and 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 he'll be in the, he'll be in the slot for sure and yeah. who knows it should be fun. You know, he, he had his first touchdown. I thought it was adorable that he put on this great move and there was literally nobody there to defend him. <laughs> um, he could have just walked. But uh, there was some stories about him this week too uh, that came out just with the team being surprised by how good of a blocker he is. And I've wondered on the show um, and in a couple articles just looking at. Kubiak's history uh, with the teams he's been on, uh, namely Denver and uh, Baltimore, not so much Houston, where he would re- he preferred block uh, tight end that could block to a tight end that was primarily a pass catcher, and those blocking tight ends ended up getting the lion's share of the receptions because of that, and then it made me wonder, you know, how Rudolph's going to fit into things. Uh, this was really more so during the. Uh, will they won't they extend him conversation so I, I thought they might let him walk for that reason which they didn't but <clears throat> it'll be interesting to see as the season progresses how how that goes but based on what we've seen I don't think it's really going to end up going that way we had some discussion on the live chat too going back and forth and um, and I'm not casting versions one way or the other but what are your thoughts on David Morgan. I mean, I struggled really hard to get back on the field, but there were people saying that they didn't think he was. Yeah, yeah, and I just don't see that happening. And and I'm not going to say what should happen, but I'm I'm not. I'm. I always like to project what I think the team will do, yeah, uh, rather than tell them what I think they should do. But so I'm saying, I, I just don't think they will. I know they absolutely love the skills this guy's had this guy has and what he can bring to the team and it it is different than both rudolph and conklin and and uh and uh irv smith you know i mean they they all may be decent blockers but they're they're not as good a blocker as david morgan and david morgan always comes through when he when 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 called upon to catch pass and uh, for a first down or on a third down or something so uh, i i could see them maybe putting him on the pup list and or maybe pup list to return or, or something like that if, if this he can't get back from this injury but i just i just can't see them letting him go he's still too valuable and too young no yeah totally i mean i completely agree with you he's he's not the most uh, graceful guy when they do throw him the ball he reminds me a little bit of klein saucer even though their body right. types are completely different um, but yeah, no. There's no one else on the team that fits that role um, at the position. You know that that is a premier blocker. Like he I is. Think with, I think they, they put a lot of value on that. Yeah, and with with Kubiak on the team, I think they value more more uh, tight ends than less. Now, granted, they they're starting. You know, they they of course love Irv Smith, and they've got Kyle Rudolph. And you know, and certainly if if you're preparing to let Rudolph go at the end, you know you. You want to keep your your better tight ends around, so totally. I'm not saying I'm not saying we are, but he doesn't have a guaranteed contract after this year, so That's, who knows what you know. I, uh, I found I mean I understand why he did it, maybe um, psychologically or just for the fan base, but I I did think it was interesting how Rudolph announced it, just because it made it seem like he was going to be here for the next five years when the team really has no 
financial hit if they get rid of him after this year. I think that, I mean, things could could change, but yeah, I mean, why would they let Morgan walk with the potential of Rudolph being gone at the end of the season, and then they was, have a, a, a him and Conklin, or they have to draft somebody else? I don't think they're going to do that. Right. I wish we knew what was going on with David Morgan. You know, I, it yeah. Just, it's it's uh, kind of a mystery, and there's not been a lot said about it. So, I, I guess um, bottom line is I hope they don't because I think he, uh, I think he's a valuable player, and 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 the team certainly feels so. Um, what did you in regards to the running backs? I'm trying to think of how to pose this question. Um, I, I think you hit the nail on the head in regards to Madison and his numbers looking better than how the day started. Um, for sure. I've heard, uh, uh, Deshaun Vaughn wrote an article about, uh, Oli, <clears throat> seventh round pick Oli Udo and how good he's been playing. Granted, it's against the threes, but it does seem like, especially when Mike Boone has been in the game, um, that they're opening a lot more holes, which is encouraging, I suppose. But there's really no way that the third running back spot isn't Boone's at this point. He's just been too reliable he's been flashy granted it's against backups but he, you know both him i want to look at the stats because the the thing i saw was someone said delvin who um which is another question we'll get into actually let's no so the, yeah let's start with that uh cook didn't play again they said it was because there's a new turf at u.s bank stadium um it's just and, an excuse they're just not going to put him out there yeah, I mean, I, I, I said this last week, and I don't want to just turn around on it because the logic hasn't changed about, you know, I don't think he's necessarily earned it a la AP or Favre or something. Um, but, you know, you I understand why they're doing it. If he were to get hurt in the preseason, everyone would be like, why was he out there? Um, but at the same time, at, one, at some point, he's going to be labeled as fragile, um, which he's already really uh, leaning on one side of the fence towards that being his reputation. Um, so I get that. I think they, they understand that they need him healthy for at least the vast yes. majority of the season. That's it. That's and, it right there. Yeah. I mean, I just – I'd like to see him, but that having been said, I'm extremely confident that should he get injured, knock on wood, the combination of Madison and Boone, as much as I like Abdullah who didn't play, he was injured, he returned to practice yesterday. They didn't really say anything about why, though. Um, they've had uh, 44 carries combined, Madison and Boone, 207 yards, one touchdown, three receptions uh, for another touchdown. And uh, their average is okay. I think they both broke four, uh, four, at least four yards. I think Boone had 4.4. He had that 45-yard catch, though. That was just awesome. Um, yep. <clears throat> Madison, Madison was 4.1. Okay. Uh, let's see. I have it written down. Actually, I I actually do some show. Anyway, uh, the contrary. Uh, uh, I you know I, I it's the fans that want to see Dalvin Cook. I wanted to see him. We all wanted to see him, but we're not going to see him, and it's just fine. It's fine. I mean, I bring up the name Byron Buxton. You know, look how that team is hurting. Uh, him not being in there, he's valuable to your team, and and you know they're going to get him back, and they're really going to. The uh, latest I heard, they're not going to get him back to the end of August because they want to be sure to have him for the playoffs. You know, and yeah. it, it's kind of a similar thing here. Why play him in the preseason when it's meaningless, and have him sit the whole season on the bench? I'm not going to say he's fragile, but I'm going to say he's, he's way important to this team, and yeah. they know that. You know, now I, I like their depth behind him. 
I do personally. I think uh, Madison and Boone are going to be just great. And you know, he, even the uh, blasting game is his name. I mean, mm-hmm. Mike, that guy's fun to look at. That's and a huge debate now too with him or CJ Ham. Yeah, he used to play. Uh, he used to play running back before he became a fullback. So there's there's some va- there's some. Uh, uh, versatility there that's that's very valuable to the team so i i really don't have a concern about the depth of the running back situation i have depth i should say i have concern about depth on a number of other positions most most importantly cornerbacks but that's yeah um i was wrong though uh boone had a 3.1 average but he he made up for it with that that catch um you bring up cornerback depth and one thing that was brought up in the live chat was uh, there was a play in particular that I remember where where um, Mackenzie Alexander got burnt, and I brought up uh, not to keep being such a stereotype of myself, but my my whole <laughs> only uh, you can Trey Wayne's is underrated uh, logic. Good line, I've never heard that before. Um, <laughs> I know who else but me would do that. Um, <laughs> but. I don't. I guess I just on that level, but not to pose it that way. I just don't see the consistency from him for these people before the season that were saying they could trade Waynes or Rhodes uh, because it, between Hughes, who looked good, but we have such a small sample size, and we know how hard it is for young uh, corners to acclimate to Zimmer's system. Um, and then a guy like Mackenzie Alexander, whose contract is up next season alongside Trey Waynes is. You know, there's just times where he looks really good, but there'll just be these, uh, you know, just situations where he gives up a big play still, despite uh, his improved play. Yeah, he did that. He did that the other night, uh, and uh, um, I think that that's part of uh, Zimmer's early uh, frustration with him early in in his career. Uh, that he didn't, you know, he he wanted to make be a, a big flashy player, and and he didn't always work well within the system and he let some guy go uh right in the middle of a of the zone the other night and uh i, I don't know if it's his man if he should have passed him off as it looked like he did and the guy caught a, a big pass downfield so um I, i'm sure he heard about that one from zimmer or somebody did because that was a it seemed like a blown coverage and i you know every, it's always been praise about him coming out ever you know in last year and now this year uh, as far as uh, Mackenzie Alexander, so I, I think um, I I am a little frustrated. I, I, maybe he's being a little lazy, and in, 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 you know now that he's got these, you know, uh, the Zimmer behind him, maybe he's being a little lazy in the preseason. But uh, I hope he's now not just playing to for his contract. I hope he just he just becomes a professional and keeps you know yeah. showing up every game and playing great and just you know. Uh, have a lights out season because they need him to, you know, the uncertainty with the uncertainty with of uh, Hughes and, and the absence of Hill is, is, is really uh, concerning, but they, they got to stay healthy back there. It will start to get bad. Yeah. It's uh, you know, it was everyone was saying Hughes would be back by the start of camp, similar to David Morgan. That hasn't happened. Um, word is he might start the season on the pup to return list. Like you mentioned earlier. Um. Yeah, I'm getting a little worried about it. Um. And, and there's part of it when what you were saying about Alexander. Uh. Just kind of reminds me of what like you mentioned this a little bit, but Zimmer's frustration with the defense and complacency and not having like the the drive to get better like the offense had. And there were uh, the, I remember early on in the Saints game, uh, one of the 
uh, Pete Bursich mentioned how, you know, with the way training camp is now versus how it was, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, without the two-a-days, without the more physical tackling and all of that, that a lot of these guys, you know, are using the first few uh, preseason games to actually hit people for the first time, whereas uh, before they'd been doing it all summer, or at least uh, when training camp started. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's room for improvement. You know, they, they are doing that bend-don't-break thing, which was more so a 2018 thing than a 2017 thing. In 2017, they had that historically good third-down percentage and so on and so forth. Um, but as a whole, um, I'd like to see the defense do better. Granted, uh, Lin, like we've talked about, Linval wasn't, hasn't been out there. Shamar uh, Stefan hasn't been out there lately. So we'll see. I don't know. There's a lot of, of room for improvement, which I think we can talk about in a minute when we, we talk about things to look forward to in the uh, Cardinals game. But the last thing I wanted to talk about in regards to what we've seen thus far, uh, the Seahawks game, is the the battle for co- the quarterback two position. And I think this is the biggest example of the difference between the thought of the team and the thought of the fan base because a lot of people were putting up polls. You know, who do you think has the leg up? And everyone was, you know, putting their money on, uh, Kyle Sloter, and I, I saw a quote from Zimmer from this week that I thought explained things really well. <clears throat> when asked about Sloter, he said uh, that, you know, basically he looks good in the game, but he needs to focus on being, I think, either a quarterback or a professional quarterback. And he said in regards to making the right checks, calling wow. the right, making the right for, calling the right formation, and the be- the best part was and seeing the time clock when it's literally eight yards ahead of his face. Um, <laughs> I which didn't was, see that. One. Yeah, um, I, I copied and pasted the full quote into the agenda, which uh, tech issues made it so Joe got that at the last second. But it was really kind of saucy, which is Zimmer's wow. been known to do from time to time. But it's I, not I put, that, I put it as constructive criticism in the agenda, but the more I read it. <laughs> It's a little bit more just like criticism, I guess. Uh, that's, that, that's Zimmer, you know, uh, trying to reach the guy in practice and uh, not getting through. Well, I, I think I'll try it through the media and see what he says. But, uh, boy, oh, boy, that, that to me sounds like, you know, I I, I don't know if, if that's accurate. I'm not sure I'd want to go to uh, have that guy as my second second in command if, if you know, you know, you want a professional mm-hmm. out there who's going to – Who's going to execute the offense the way you you're you're set it up to be, and not that you got to you got to be worrying about a him making the right calls or b uh, noticing the play clock. Come on, dude. You know, so that that's that was, a, little, a little concerning. Yeah, and that was him. I think when they had that delay a game, one of the agenda items I didn't really put in there, or we oh, haven't yeah. talked about, was uh, penalties in the red zone, which you know uh, one of them was on Kyle Rudolph for clipping and and. I've heard that that's kind of one of the things that happens in the zone blocking scheme is that you get a lot of clipping calls. But, yeah, I think Slaughter had that delay a game, and I think he's a gamer. I mean, but outside of the interception, which I think obviously is going to stick in people's minds, the stats for both, uh, Mannion was 11 for 14 for 88 yards and a touchdown. Slaughter was 11 for 13 uh, for 116 yards and a touchdown. Um, he's also playing against the threes, uh, but yep. the, I saw a stat: the the Vikings quarterbacks this preseason have a seventy six percent completion rate, which is just amazing, um, and a touchdown to interception ratio of five to one. 
which arguably could have been on the receiver, not necessarily the quarterback, even though football doesn't really work that way, um, at least not wholly. So I think the level of play has been really high, and I think it'll come down to those things. And when you have an offense predicated, or a team, really, that success is predicated on field position and trying to have you know short down-to-distance third downs from within the five, Zoomer's not going to tolerate a lot of penalties. Um that no. are just things that you don't need. Um, but I think the, what people are seeing is I do think Sloter's got better timing with the receivers because he's been here longer. I think he's got a little bit more zip on the ball. Um, but it's just his legs, too, I think, that are are really helping him. Yeah, I, you know, it almost sounds like he's a, a, a poor man's uh, Case Keenum a little bit, you know. Yeah. Uh, and uh, – he, they've got him around. I guess I was saying this last week. Though, they got him around for a reason. He's still here after you know. They, if if they didn't like what they thought there as far as potential, they would have uh, they wouldn't have brought him back. They'd have tried somebody else, you know. But they're they keep trying him for you know uh, keeping around, seeing if he's going to make that next step. And but th- uh, that that quote is a uh, uh, cattle prod in the ass right now yeah. to say, hey, make the next step, dude, or else. Uh, we're going to move on from you, and, and you know, Browning's going to be stepping in. And what's the uh, what does everyone say about Sloter? Uh, the announcers they always say he's like the MVP of the preseason every year. Yes. And when you have a guy yes. that plays that well, but you still draft a guy, um, or bring in an undrafted guy rather in, in, in Browning, and then you go out with limited cap space and, and pay someone like Manny, and there's got to be something else to the story. Well, that's that story I told last week about Tim Schmitz from St. John's, who was tried out with the Vikings and Bud Gray. You know, he, he always flashed. He always had a big splashes in the in the preseason, and, and he just said he just didn't work hard. You know, it didn't get done what he needed to do in practice. Now these are two different coaches, but Zimmer's old school like Bud Grant is, and so you never know if that's that's what he wants to see. Yeah, uh, room for improvement in the Cardinals game, another home game. Um, which, speaking of which, if you're still looking for tickets, just go to the site. You'll see uh, the banner for Ticket Club. The discount code is SKOLPTSD, all one word, S-K-O-L-P-T-S-D, and you'll get a free one-year membership on uh, Ticket Club, which is like a $50 value. It's pretty sweet. You won't pay any fees on any tickets across the country or North America, actually. Um, the one, you know, I, I do want to see Elfline play better, especially now that we're going to have a larger sample size, like you mentioned, the the first half, probably. Um, and cleaning up some of the penalty stuff. There's There's been a decent amount of flags. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, and that's, you know, some, some of it, you know, we, we touched on a little bit earlier. It's the coaches testing things out, testing out the new rules. But some of it is uh, uh, bad penalties. You know, Holton Hill, uh, uh, I, I, I'm not sure what I think of the, the Kyle Rudolph one. I mean, that, that yeah. was a clip, flipping penalty, but it seemed kind of iffy. But, you know, um, you can't have that. This is the time to have them. They, they don't worry me that bad after continuing to the season. You know, we haven't had a lot of of, of uh, false start and, yeah. you know, yeah. it's kind of penalty. So, I mean, that that's a good thing for a new line. But, totally. Uh, but, um, you know, so uh, take the good with the bad, I guess, there. You know, we didn't really touch on this because, um, I mean, we saw some punts from the new kicker, the the uh, jack-of-all-trades, master of none, perhaps, and Kari Vedvik. His first punt was good. Uh, with He landed it, like, at the eight-yard line on a fair catch. Um, there was some debate as to on his kickoff 
you know, I, I, I posted on Twitter uh, that I, I expected him to kick it, like, through the roof of the, the stadium, and someone mentioned that, you know, they, he was probably holding back a little bit uh, just because I'm sure coaches with the new rule change, with everything starting at 20, uh, the 25-yard line, maybe they're forcing people to earn that 25 yards as opposed to just giving it to them, which uh, completely makes sense. But I would like to see him get in there for like uh, you know so there's some debate about whether or not uh for longer kicks like 50 55 yards that they're going to use him and i would love to just see him kick a field goal in general uh, even though i don't think he'll end up with the, that job i think he will be the punter and the kickoff specialist perhaps um but i would love to see him try a couple long field goals because he claims he's hit 70 yard field goals in practice a la uh, sebastian janikowski so i'd like to see that yeah, I, I was uh, uh, you know, impressed by how just how effortless it seemed for this guy yeah. to uh, to uh, you know boot into the middle of the end zone. He just you know it just looked like it was a, a walk in the park for him. And um, I we obviously we, we haven't seen enough from him yet. I'm not out of practice anymore, so I'm not watching him. But uh, um, I, I I would uh, I I'm kind of excited. I'm you know if this guy can can figure it out and really become a, a, a machine back there and he could be a, a decent kicker for this team for a long time and maybe maybe uh, uh zimmer's hair wouldn't uh, get any more prematurely gray with his kicking situation as he moves forward with this team yeah so. it's one of those situations where i feel like he he really is trying and he, zimmer is and that it frustrates him, but it's almost like the more he focuses on it, the worse it gets. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. There have been a lot of arguments this week, or articles rather, that that uh, I think one of the headlines was just like, the, are the Vikings kicking woes Zimmer's fault? Um, and I was reading that, something occurred to me that I just wanted to mention. It might be insane. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I was reading an article about uh, that, and they were talking about John DiFilippo um, running the ball. And I know that there's relative autonomy for the offensive coordinator with the Vikings especially, um, or in particular. But it just was really strange to me that – just, and I never thought of this before, but Zimmer's the head coach. He can overrule the play calls and just say run the ball. Like, I, just, I, I have never heard of that dynamic before where a head coach during the week is like, will you run the ball, please? And like, I'll be like, okay. And then he doesn't uh, do it while the head coach is just sitting there stewing. Couldn't he come in and say – all right, you're going to run the ball or run this play. I mean, he's the head coach. I uh, um, I said it, that quite a few times last year when it was when when Zimmer first started uh, crabbing to the media about wanting the, the coach to run. I, I remember saying it on this show. Uh, you know, well, you I, 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 uh, <laughs> I tune you out mostly. <laughs> okay, I just said the same thing. Isn't he the head coach? Can he say run the ball? Yeah. How many times? You know, and get get this team off uh, my defense's back. It'll give them some rest. You know, that that's. Uh, that's that's his. You would think, but I think he he uh, abrogates so much uh, responsibility to the offense to the offensive coordinator side that he doesn't, you know, uh, probably do that kind of thing. Maybe that's why he brought in uh, Kubiak just to say, hey, okay, here's another head coach who yeah. understands the the need for running, you know, running the ball and how important it is. And so maybe so I, I think you're going to see a lot of it and. and which then begins to tell me why would you want to wear out uh, 
uh, Dalvin Cook any earlier than than you got him. But yeah, I would yeah. love to see Dalvin get some snaps this time. I I don't think it's going to happen on Saturday. But uh, that was going to uh, be my last question. Yeah, I mean just just for timing's sake, you'd you'd love to see him yeah. out there. But you know they they get timing in practice too. But I you know yeah I I would like to see it. But boy. I want that. I, I would love even more so to see him play 16 games plus. So yeah, it's going to be interesting, and it reminds me of uh, we're going to be doing a lot of fantasy football stuff. As I mentioned, I wrote a fantasy article. I'm I'm trying to find the best way to make it so people that listen to the show or go to the website can do a league with us or through us. It would be through you know one of the, Yahoo probably, but in a way that would be uh, you know we can give out like awards and trophies and swag and, and talk about it on the message board. Um, but it'll be interesting to see where Delvin Cook goes because there's been a lot of talk of, about him being a, the dark horse rushing champ this year and, and to the point that it might even hurt uh, Cousins and Thielen and Diggs' numbers just by committing to the run more. Uh, but we'll find out, I guess. Um, Good thing we don't play fantasy in preseason. That's all I can say. <laughs> that's why I always wait until the, the week – the the week before like the Sunday or Saturday before the first game I know a lot of people are chomping at the bit and they do theirs super early but yeah you kind of want to see what's going on especially in terms of injuries uh, oh yeah and and it doesn't matter I know somehow you're gonna end up with Thielen and it's gonna drive me crazy <laughs> if I can gonna have to take him Joe you're gonna have to get him number one overall if you want I'm, I'm gonna if we were doing an auction I would just do two hundred dollars for him just for that reason. <laughs> And just get a bunch of waiver wire guys after that. Uh, but, yeah, hopefully if you're uh, listening to the show, uh, you will stop by our new message board slash social media arm. It's uh, called Vikes Geist, and it's pretty sweet. Uh, just go to, to purpleptsd.com. There's articles about it on Vikings territory. You'll see, like, on the menu, there's a whole bunch of new fields. Uh, you can create groups like Google+. Plus. Uh, you can chat in a message board if that's your speed. If you would like uh, live for live events, being in the chat room, you can do that. Uh, it's essentially like Twitter and Instagram had a baby with like an old PHP board and a live chat function. Mm. It's pretty sweet. Um, wow. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I think it'll. There's a few message boards that have been dying too that used to be well known for the Vikings. So hopefully people are looking for a place to chat about the season uh but it's always hard to get those things started it's kind of a snowball situation uh but i'll be pushing it all year dag nabbit because i'm lonely uh is my point and usually the way that we end every show a peek into my fragile psyche um nice. but yeah thanks everyone for listening we'll be back next week um i'm hoping to start doing some more video stuff uh, definitely before the game on sunday and then moving forward uh as the season progresses so uh, keep an eye on that on our YouTube channel, which is Vikings Territory, uh, or Viking Territory on Twitter uh, slash Periscope. But this has been uh, Morning Joe's for a Wednesday, August 21st. Uh, talk to you guys next week. Skull.